I'm reading this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. To God's elect. All of verse 2 needs to be subordinated to that phrase, which in the original Greek is a single word, eklektois. The word God isn't present in verse 1 in the original Greek. The Greek simply reads, to the elect ones, eklektois. Our next three discussions will explore the three confessions that qualify that election. The first confession is to the elect ones who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. The second is to the elect ones who have been chosen through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And the third is to the elect ones who have been chosen to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Our conversation today will flow out of the first of those three confessions, and I'm calling today's discussion Election and the Foreknowledge of God the Father. Look back with me at the language Peter has chosen to use. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. What does it mean to have been elected according to the foreknowledge of God? Among evangelical Christians to this day, this question represents a point of significant divide. Peter was a Jewish man who had followed a Jewish messiah, and who had preached a sermon that led some 3,000 Jewish people initially to embrace Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That sermon resulted in the first Christian congregation. The first followers of Jesus and the first Christian congregation were predominantly Jewish. And in 1 Peter, Peter was writing primarily to non-Jewish people. At least that's the evidence of the language he's using. He was writing to churches which were predominantly Gentile in ethnicity. The language of election in the First Testament was used exclusively of Israel. Israel was the elect of God. Before any Israelite had ever been born, God chose Abraham out of all the people on earth to become the father of a nation that God would visit, interact with, speak to, and speak through in unique and unrepeatable ways over the course of thousands of years. To be a part of this family line was to be elect. But as Peter wrote these words to churches that were predominantly non-Jewish, I suspect that his intention was to encourage them with the confession that they too, though not of Israel ethnically, were the elect of God. The inclusion of Gentiles in God's grand scheme of salvation was not some sort of plan B or last-minute decision. God the Father had foreknown before he had visited even Abraham that his salvation would be not only for Israel, but also for all of humanity. In fact, God has said as much to Abraham when he promised him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, and all nations on earth will be blessed through you. The inclusion of the Gentiles had been part of God's plan from the very beginning. These Gentile followers of Jesus were the elect ones precisely as the people of Israel had been, and their election had been according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God had intended to elect all nations on earth, and in Jesus he had brought that intention to fruition. And these Gentile followers of Jesus in Asia Minor were fruits of God's intention from the very beginning.
When the writers of Scripture have highlighted the foreknowledge of God, I don't think they have intended to confess simply that God is not surprised by the future or that he makes his will logically contingent on his foreknowledge. In passages like this one in 1 Peter, I believe the writers of Scripture have expressed the capability of God not only to see the future but to influence that future. I don't believe that Peter's confession was simply that we worship a God who knows what's going to happen. There are plenty of scriptures that suggest that God does know the future. I'm not disputing that. But more than that, I believe that Peter's confession was that we serve a God who will work his will to accomplish what he has designed to accomplish. Nothing could have stopped the gospel's coming to the Gentiles. And nothing, no amount of human freedom or any other kind of freedom, can prevent what God intends to do next. To say that, however, is not to say necessarily that it has been God's will to determine absolutely who will and who will not be saved. I believe that God has graced that choice to humanity. Of course, I do believe God could have predestined the eternal destiny of every person. I simply believe God has not chosen to determine absolutely the decision of faith for every human. To my reading, human free will seems to be essential to God's predetermined intentions for humanity. We can take great comfort in the truth that we serve an intentional God who is working in deliberate ways to bring about his will, and who is limited only by himself and by his own will in what he intends to accomplish. If we suffer, it's not because God is incapable of preventing our suffering. It's because he's unwilling to do so. And as frustrating as that truth may be, it is also encouraging because we know that what we must endure in this world lies within the sovereignty of God. Again, this does not require us to believe that God chooses to cause everything that happens to us, but it is to confess that God is in control of all that occurs. Now, this confession may not be as affirming to victims as saying that God cannot control what has happened, but it is more faithful to the testimony of the scriptures nonetheless. You too are elect in Jesus according to the foreknowledge of God. The gospel that you heard was not preserved to the moment it encountered you by happenstance. The gospel that has spread to the far reaches of the earth and continues to bring light to the darkness of human corruption and incorrigibility is the word of a God with purpose and with the power to enact his will. I would go further to say that the very freedom you have been graced to accept or to reject this gospel is not random or haphazard either. That very freedom is part of God's will. God asks us to trust that he is in control even when at the same time he is deliberately extending freedom to those who use their freedom for evil. I think this was part of Peter's encouragement to the Christians in Asia Minor who, by the evidence of the text, were suffering. They were suffering persecution. And they were not Israelites. So it's possible that they could have entertained the idea that maybe they were suffering because they weren't truly elect. But Peter assured them that they too were elect according to the foreknowledge of God, even though they were being persecuted. This world, despite human freedom and choice, is not a runaway train. God may choose not to cause all that happens, and he may choose not to stop all the evil that occurs under the sun. But God is sovereign over all that occurs, and in that, his people can and must take comfort. Perhaps today, some here are living as though God has no control over what happens. 
and perhaps others are living as though no choice they make really matters, as though you are simply puppets in the hands of genetics or fate or God or whatever. If you are either of those sort of individuals today, might I exhort you to step out of those extremes and live in the tension created by Peter's exhortation this morning. God has graced you true freedom, and with that freedom you can choose to curse God or to bless him, to love your neighbor or to accost her, and what you choose to do will have great consequence in this world. Choice is a powerful gift, and it is one that God seems committed to distributing liberally. However, in the end, you are not in control of the course of human history. The God who grants us freedom to choose is the same God who has the final say on the final day. To the elect ones, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, may those who have ears to hear, Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches.